This podcast is brought to you by Upcase. Improve your development skills by completing coding exercises that are peer-reviewed by real humans. Learn more at upcase.com. Astros are in a ninth inning rally right now against the, uh, oh, wait. I don't even know who this guy is. Like, none of the batters have their pictures in MLB. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's where we are. Yeah. Uh, it's all your AAA and AA right. invitees. Right. Like, Nolan Fontana, he's zero for one. He grounded out with two people on base. Anyway, hey, what's happening? Hey. <laughs> Hey everybody, this is Mark in San Francisco. And this is Gordon in Boston. And this is Build Phase. My mom just sent me an email that just had a screenshot from Monument Valley. And the subject line was like, when you have time. <laughs> and it just said, I know the tower moves, <laughs> I can't figure out what I'm missing. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Trying to figure out a 3D puzzle game from a 2D screenshot. I mean, it was one of the ones, it's one of the newer levels where the world doesn't spin. It's all about like buttons and stuff like that and perspective. But uh, anyway, I just love that. She really likes that game. It's a good game. It's cool that your mom plays plays Monument Valley. Did you like gift that to her or something? No, I gifted it. I, I got it for my wife and then... My mom was up in town and my wife showed my mom because my wife sat down and played the whole thing in one night, like the entire normal game and then the, the entire expansion and then all the product red, the product red level too, like just the whole thing just in one sitting. It was awesome. And so she loved it. And so my mom came up and my wife was like, you have to see this game, showed it to her. My mom dug it bought it for herself i may have gifted it i don't remember but yeah that seems like something my dad might be into maybe i don't know it's just a great it's a not big gamers no but like that's the beauty of that game is you don't have to be you know what i mean it's just like a living touchable mc escher painting with like kind of an interesting storyline going on you know yeah well, for a while there, my mom was really addicted to Angry Birds. Mm-hmm. It was bad. It was mm-hmm. really, really bad. Mm-hmm. And before that, I don't think either of my parents had played video games since like an Atari 2600. Right. Like right when I was born, I think. <laughs> just like, oh, we just have a baby and we just stay up all night playing Kaboom. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So what's up? How's your week? I uh, shipped the app to the App Store mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. It was rejected the first time. Mm-hmm. My bad. I made a mistake. <laughs> and now I have to reject again to fix something that needs to be fixed before 1.0. Mm-hmm. A, so brand, a brand new today. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So one day. Sooner or later, this app will be out there. Can you talk about it yet? Mm, no. no. I have a lot okay. of plates in the air or okay. that are about to be in the air. All right. We won't talk about it. There's almost like a complete you know, marketing plan. Oh. that's in place that I need to abide by. Mm. It's very professional. Sounds like it. All right. It's fine. I won't push you. You want to talk about Argo's 
march towards 1.0 sure i think that pull request that we talked about last time is actually going to get merged in today which is awesome and we made like this last minute change this morning that really kind of cleaned everything up so when we talked about this last week the name of we've been bike shedding the hell out of this thing (laughs) uh how many times have we gotten into like crazy hour long conversations with the entire iOS team just talking about like what name to use for one specific part of this thing? It's like it's been nonstop. That thread itself is at like I don't even know how many comments that thread is at for the pull request, but it's just been constant conversation about this thing because we really want to get it right and we want to get the naming right. And like one of the things that you had said when you were reading through it being not as familiar with Argo as Tony and I were, you know what I mean? Like that thing happens, right? Where like you, you write a bunch of stuff out and you're so close to it that you never question it. And then all of a sudden someone that has no frame of reference for why you made the decisions that you made comes in and says like, Hey, why don't you just do this? And you're like, Oh yeah, that makes way more sense, you know, or why don't, why do why the hell is it named this or, or that kind of stuff, you know? And so you had said that you were having trouble wrapping your head around all the different moving parts and that you thought it was a naming issue. Right. Mm-hmm. The, Cause there yeah. was like, there was like a decode function and a parse function was there a parse function too and there was like a at one point there was a from json function and there were like all these different things and you're like kind of having to think about how all these and then there was this parse oh yeah it was a parse result that was the return type like it was started as parser and then it became like a parse result and so you had like the word parse in a bunch of places the word decode in a bunch of places and it was like, what does it mean when we say decode? What does it mean when we say parse? Is there another term that you know that we can use because those are super similar and all that kind of stuff? And one of the last comments I had made on that thread maybe last week at some point, yeah, it was either earlier this week or late last week, was just saying like, can we just? What if we just use the word decode? Like, what if we just use the word decode as a function? What if we call this top level function that takes in JSON and returns an object? What if we just call that decode? And then what if we also call the instance method on objects that conform to JSON decodable? What if we just call that decode? Just call all that decode, and then. That name change brought up another conversation today where Joe, our CTO, said, you know, you could just name this thing, this type, this container type. You just name it decoded because all of a sudden, if you name it decoded, instead of saying, like, we have a parse result user or a parser user, you know, you just say we have a decoded user. You know, that reads like really, really nice. All of a sudden, everything just kind of like fell into place. You have decode functions that return a decoded type, you know, decoded U. Some naming decisions we had made earlier, like this type, this internal type alias that hopefully doesn't have to be used, but every now and then has to be used, was already called decoded type, you know, so this decoded type fits in well. That JSON decodable protocol that you have to conform to all already uses the word decode in it 
and feels very nice. You know, it takes JSON and returns a decoded T kind of thing. I actually am still kind of leaning towards removing the JSON prefix from the JSON decodable protocol and just having it be decodable because then you have this instance that conforms to decodable and you call the decode function on that and you get a decoded type from mm -hmm. that and that just fits together so so nicely like in terms of language being used and and naming you know what i mean it's very very clear to me kind of how that all that stuff works yeah, and there's nothing JSON specific about this JSON decodable um, no, protocol, except nothing. that it defines a, a decode function that takes an instance of JSON. That's the only thing. Right. So we could call that kind of whatever. Yeah, when really decoded should just take an instance of loosely typed data structure. <laughs> right, right, right. That happens to conform to you know the JSON spec. <laughs> you right. know, like we actually added tests a little while ago to make sure like do P lists work in there? And it's like, yeah, they do. Do just normal Swift dictionaries work in there? Yeah, they totally do. Like you can just throw any of that stuff at there at this thing and it'll just work, really. Um like YAML, I think YAML would would just work with with Argo as well. Like if you had a YAML, if I don't know if there's any YAML parsers out there for Swift, but if there are, I think that it would just kind of fall in. Like you could, you would use the YAML parser the same way you'd use NSJSON serialization. You take the data, give me an any object dictionary, string to any object dictionary back, and then pass that in through Argo, and now you can use Argo to decode all your stuff. Done. It just simplifies everything. Just this, this, the you know, naming everything consistently like that. Like we we're talking about what to name those operators. And, um, you know, I, this has been a constant thing that's come up too. What do we name those kind of angle bracket pipe operators? I think that those can just be co called the decode operator. You know, you just say decode, 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 decode. Just use that. Keep mm -hmm. using that word. What does Argo do? It decodes loosely typed data structures into Swift objects. Yep. I did find a Swift YAML parser. You did? By the way, yeah. I guess one thing that's a little different from YAML, and I didn't know this, is that it differentiates between um, floating point types and integer types when it hmm. comes to numbers, whereas JSON is just, here's a number, right? Hmm. But that's minor. Because in this YAML parser, they have like a YAML enum that's actually you know really similar to like the JSON enum in Argo. It's like case null, bool, int, double, string, array, and dictionary. Hmm. Interesting. But yeah, so that I think that's getting merged in today. After that, today, this morning, man, today was a busy morning. Now that CocoaPods 0.36 is finally out in public, I wanted to make sure that, like, we we have one version of Argo and one version of Runes up on CocoaPods, but they're old. They're just old, old versions, and we haven't pushed anything up, specifically because, I honestly, I just didn't want to put time and effort behind pre-release dependency management solution. You know what I mean? It's just, it's more headache than it's worth. I didn't want it to seem like it was officially supported by us at all. You know, we had big disclaimers on our projects that like Argo and runes, we had big disclaimers there that were like, look, CocoaPods isn't officially supporting Swift yet. It's, available on this pre-release branch, use that at your own discretion. 
when you say pre-release, did you mean pre-release of a version or just pre-release in general because CocoaPods is not at 1.0 yet? I mean, I mean pre like their wacky beta beta thing, you know what I mean? Like they had a beta of this pre 1.0 software, which is yeah. just you know, I was kind of annoyed by that and I was on the internet the other night so I was doing some tweet, tweeting about CocoaPods mm-hmm. and just for fun, I went back and looked at when 0.01, I think, or 0.1.0 shipped. And it was like June of 2011 or something. And then I looked at when, you know, 0.36 shipped. And that was just the other day. And if this is completely ridiculous and ludicrous, but if you, if you graph that <laughs> over time, CocoaPod should hit 1.0 sometime in June <laughs> of 2021. Sure. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, about six years from now, CocoaPods is at its final version. Yeah, no. So, like, I'm still frustrated by their. Uh, I should preface this again by saying, like, I have nothing against CocoaPods specifically. I really don't have anything against those devs. Uh, I appreciate all the work that they're putting into. I'm friends with a bunch of them. Yada yada yada. Right. This is not meant as like an attack, but I think it's really and and I've said this to a bunch of them too is that i think it's i i find it really frustrating that they haven't released 1.0 yet and i think that their unwillingness to realize that they are at 1.0 they're well beyond 1.0 whether they like that idea or not um i think it's irresponsible of them to have this thing and to not be adhering to normal software development best practices and using semantic versioning and all that stuff like this idea that just because they say that they're at version 0.36 like what what is that what does that even mean it implies to me that it's beta software that's not ready for production but i don't think that they would agree with that and yet it's been three years you know what i mean it's been three years that they that it's been out and they are being used heavily in production all across the world by huge companies and small comp- companies and this isn't just them I, just to be clear this is a bigger this is a bigger thing here about like uh i'm going to use them as an example because i think they're doing a fairly poor job of recognizing this but this is a common thing in software right which is putting too much ceremony around shipping a 1.0 and having that keep you from ever shipping a 1.0 right i honestly don't think that they should ship a 1.0 at this point they they should be shipping a 3.0 or a four, you know what i mean like do you know do you know bundler or rake yes. not not bundler rake you know rake rake i think it was rake rake went from version they were notorious for this too. They were at version 0.9, right? But it had been around for years and years and years and years and years. So they went from zero version 0.9 to version 10. They were just like, okay, yeah, like, <laughs> you know, we kept waiting for it to be at version 1.0. And obviously that wasn't actually happening. You know, what, what was actually happening is we were just abusing semantic versioning. So instead of jumping to 1.0, we're just jumping straight to version 10 because it doesn't matter. It's a freaking number. Like who cares, right? They could slap 1.0 on CocoaPods version 
you know, 0.37, like whatever version they think they're coming out with, just call that 1.0 and just move on. Like it doesn't, it's not some big pomp and circumstance thing to ship a 1.0. You just need to ship something. And like this idea that, oh, well, we want to fix all of the, you know, we want to get all the breaking changes out of the way and we want to make sure that, you know, we can move fast and that we can break stuff if we need to. That is literally what semantic versioning is for. You just ship a 1.0, and if you need to break something, you ship a 2.0. Who the hell cares? A 2.0 doesn't have to be a whole rewrite. A 2.0 is just signifying a breaking change from 1.0. Period. It's not a big deal. You know? The entire idea that, well, if we just don't ship a 1.0, we don't have to build in backwards compatibility for older formats. It's like... There is absolutely code in there for backwards compatibility with older formats. You know, like that doesn't come with version numbers. That comes with legacy. That comes with time, period. There's nothing inherent about a 1.0 that automatically means you start having to have backwards compatibility issues. Being on the market for a significant amount of time is what causes there to be backwards compatibility issues. Mm Mm-hmm. It's really frustrating. And, and like, I see this in myself, too, right? Like, Argo. I had basically the same conversation with with Joe, again, our CTO. Me and Tony sat down with Joe, and we're like, what do we need to do before 1.0? And he goes, you know you guys are, like, basically at 1. He's like, it's out there, and people are using it, right? It's like, yeah. He's like, you're 1.0 now, right? You're just not admitting it to yourself, and you're not admitting it to your users. Just that's what you're doing. And, you know, so this is something that I'm absolutely guilty. I think all of us are guilty of. I just think it's I've been noticing it more and it's I think it's stupid. Yeah. I was just thinking that, you know, Cocoa Pods could have been 1.0 in like 2013. Two years ago. Yeah. Yep. And then the trunk service, that could have been your 2.0. But yeah, that doesn't. Uh, but like the thing is, it doesn't even matter. That could have been the 4.0, the 5.0. It doesn't matter. Like there's nothing – Again, that that idea that, oh, 2.0 has to be something big. No, it does not. It just has to be a breaking change. That's all semantic. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah, but that was a yeah. breaking change. No, no. Yeah, no, I get that. But I'm saying that they could have had, like, if they would have been 1.0, there, there would have been other breaking changes between their 1.0 and Trunk. I think Trunk could have been three or version 3 or 4 even. You know what I mean? No, I I get it. I get it. Yeah. I was just trying to like see like what like a realistic um, version progression would have looked like for CocoaPods if they had been following semantic versioning. I, yep. I agree with you. If if you keep waiting to fix everything, you're never going to ship because there's always going to be something to right. fix. What is the roadmap for CocoaPods to hit 1.0? Like what miracle events are going to have to happen to where they can say, we got it. This is locked down. This is 1.0 now. My impression when we saw Aloy talk at Heavybit two years ago at WWDC, that the only thing holding them back from 1.0 was the trunk service and a few outstanding bugs. That's the impression I got from his State of the Union. So now it's been almost a year? It's been almost two years. Since trunk? I don't remember when the trunk service launched. It was right after Keith started here. Yeah, so it's so, coming yeah, up. It's coming up on a year. Yeah, you know, it, it 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 frustrates me. It really does. 
And like I said, like I'm not against the idea of taking your time to a 1.0. You know what I mean? But you have to draw the line somewhere. Or at least have some idea of what has to happen for you to release 1.0. I can tell you what that is for Argo. For Argo, that is Swift 1.2 support, right? When Swift 1.2 launches, that's our deadline. That's when we want to launch. Officially release 1.0 for Argo is with alongside Swift 1.2, right? So that day, we'll just tag a release and it'll be 1.0, done. And so between now and then, it's just like, Okay, let's take some time. We're not going to cut any new releases. So we're not doing a 0.5 branch. We're not doing a 0.6 release. We're not doing any of that. There's a code freeze, right? We'll go back and fix bugs on the 0.4 and the 0.3 branches. 0.3 supports Swift 1.1. 0.4 supports Swift 1.2 right now. But all of these changes that we're making right now, all these big breaking naming changes and organizational changes and, and style changes, all of these things are just going to be, this is the 1.0 release, right? So it's just about fix up these things right now while we have time. And then when Swift 1.2 releases, we just cut a branch or cut a release and it's done. This is very clear in my head what has to happen. What has to happen for Argo to hit 1.0? Swift 1.2 has to be released officially. Like, I don't know what they're waiting for with CocoaPods. Anyway, I mean, I don't want to rail on CocoaPods or anything. I just think that it's like a textbook case of this kind of like, I don't know. I do, I do, I do feel like because they are a tool in the developer community that people are relying on, I do think that they have that there's a certain amount of moral responsibility that they have that maybe we don't have as much of. Does that make sense? Like specifically because of how widespread the use Argo is not like the de facto JSON parsing library in Swift. There are some people using it. I don't know how many. It's impossible for me to tell that, but it's not one-to-one with CocoaPods usage. Mm-hmm. So it's it's all about like affected surface area, basically. Like they ship a breaking change and the affected so- surface area is much, much larger than ours. And so I think it's important. I think that there's a certain moral responsibility in taking responsibility for the code and not shipping breaking changes you know, especially since they're not, it's not like they're following semantic versioning at all. Like you can't go from 0.35, like the jump between 0.35 and 0.36 is significant. It's, it's a significant change in what's going on. I think it's irresponsible to make that big of a change without having semantic versioning there. So that people can say, oh, okay, this is a 1.0 to 2.0 change, or this is a 3.0 to 5.0 change. You know, without having that there to tell people how big of a change it actually is, that's bad, right? When it looks mm-hmm. like it's just like a small patch bump, that's really bad. And then on top of that, the entire idea that they released this stuff in this pre release state and were pushing it inside the pod install message. That's what really, really, really bothered me 
was every time you did pod install, they say, hey, we have a release candidate we'd love for you to check out. Like, you can't do that with professional tools. You can't try to push everybody into beta versions. That's not, like, we deal with that too much as it is. We deal with that already with Xcode and Swift and the frameworks. Like, I can't pull a dependency management solution into a beta state on top of all that. I think it's I think it's irresponsible. I'd agree. Yeah, I don't know I don't know what else to, I don't know what else to say about that. It just kinda it kinda bums me out because I do like those guys so much and I want I want to not be frustrated about this stuff. You know what I mean? But I I am. <laughs> like very much so. So if you took over CocoaPods tomorrow, what would you do with release, regard to versioning? Release one I wouldn't do anything else. Release 1.0 exactly as it is right now. Who cares? Just say we're 1.0 now. We're going to follow semantic versioning from here on out. And then I'd quit probably. <laughs> Dude, take me like an hour. That's seriously what I do. I, I mean, like, there, there's absolutely no reason that they can't just tag a new release as 1.0. Push it up. Be done with it. And then just follow semantic versioning from this point on. Patch releases, new features, breaking changes. Done. <laughs> it's not it's not rocket science. You know, like it, it really it really, really isn't. I'm not saying that they don't want to add new features or change things. I'm sure they do. But <laughs> not being one like being one isn't gonna prevent that. You just again, you just use semantic versioning. There's nothing that says you have to go 1.0.0, so on and so forth, until you get to 1.9.9, and now you can hit 2.0. You can go 1.0, 1.1, 2.0, 2.0, you know what I mean? Like, you can just jump, like, it doesn't matter. It's about the size of the changes. It's not about some... I, I just keep coming back to this idea of pomp and circumstance, right? Because they're going... They're, I know what they want they want releasing 1.0 to be a big deal right and i understand that like doing the kind of like we're 1.0 now congrats like coco pods has grown up and it's like yay you know but it doesn't actually mean anything being 1.0 it's not right. gonna be done <laughs> you know like it's not like there's not going to be breaking changes it's not like there's not going to be bugs it's not like there's not going to be new features that they want to add or features that they want to take away. It just means that it's 1.0. Well, so since we're talking about versioning, mm -hmm. Reactive Coco's first, second, second alpha for 3.0 is out. Is it the second alpha? I it, thought it was it, the first alpha. Yeah, no, that the first alpha was like an hour ago. The second alpha was about 30 minutes ago. Oh, rad. Yay. <laughs> That's exciting. Yeah. Looks so good. We've already talked about this, so I just wanted to bring that up. Have they added more documentation? No, uh, that's the one thing. None of the docs have been updated yet. Mm. I'm sure there's no point in doing it now. Well, and that's hard too. Like I, we're we're kind of in the same boat on Argo at a much smaller level, which is that we can't really change the README, like update the documentation for the new stuff. We can't do that on Master, right? So when you go to Argo's GitHub page, we can't keep the README 
up to date with the source code because the released versions aren't using the same syntax and are using different names. So like they can't change their readme on Reactive Cocoa from the old Objective-C 2.0 release to the new Swift 3.0 release stuff. And they also can't change any of their – they have a documentation folder, right? There's a bunch of stuff in it. Yeah. 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 So they can't change that stuff either, not on master anyway, because then their documentation would be incorrect and it would be out of sync with the actual release version. That's like a hard line to walk, right? Where you want you want to educate people about this new thing that you're doing, but you can't, especially if, if some people are using it, like some people are using the Swift branch of Reactive Cocoa. Like, so you want to act, give documentation to those people, but you can't do it in the most visible place because putting it in the most visible place means that the majority of people that are still using the old version, the actual official release version, they're going to now be out of luck when they look for documentation. Why not spin off a 1.0 branch right now and update the readme and keep it going as you make changes and then just merge it back? For Argo? Yeah, we could. I, I don't. Know. Maybe it does make sense to wait and just like overhaul the readme again. Make sure you don't miss anything. Right. I don't particularly like long running branches. I like just having master be the bin that everything's going in, and it shows the current state of the code, and then tags for releases. So the way we have Argo set up is like everything's going into master. We have a Swift one point one branch, which I should probably rename that branch to. 0.3.x because we have a Swift 1.1 branch that keeps source compatibility with Swift 1.1 and holds the the 0.3.x releases, series releases. And then there's a 0.4.x branch that holds those releases and I can cherry pick stuff from master if they need bug fixes and stuff. I just cherry pick from master into those branches and then cut new releases off those. But master is this kind of like always moving forward you know what i mean like just uh, like constantly in motion thing as opposed to the alternative where master is stagnant right and only shows the newest release and you have long running branches my problem with that strategy is that if you do a bug fix you do it on master right which fixes the bug but then you have to cherry pick it you either have to cherry pick that commit back into your long running branch, which then now you run the risk of having a duplicate commit in your long running branch, or you have to rebase the long running branch back on top of master to put, to insert that commit back up at the head. Head's a bad term, but at the, where the two branches diverge, you just put that commit up at the front there. And the reason that sucks is because now if you were working on smaller feature branches off the long running branch, now you're out of sync and that rebase is going to suck. Like trying to reconcile those changes. There's probably another way here where you just don't rebase ever and you just only ever merge. But I disagree with those people because I think that's ugly. <laughs> My client right now is using merge strategy. Not it, not like they just chose to for this week. That's just what they do. They use merges instead of, rebasing and so so their git history their git logs just like 
train track central it's just like there's five or six different lines anywhere and merge commits all over the place like you see these long-running prs for our our features and they just say like merged master merged master merged master did one thing merged master merged master merged master and it's like ah it's so much noise that's going to get dumped into the thing i much prefer doing like git log and having a single line straight that i can see exactly what changed exactly what happened without having any noise around it mm-hmm. anyway is that it? i don't know yeah it's kind of been a slow week yeah we can call it you want to call it yeah show notes for this episode are gonna be found at buildphase.fm slash 77 and we'd like to hear from you so email us at buildphase at thoughtbot.com or reach out on twitter at buildphase and as always we appreciate ratings and reviews on itunes all right i'll uh, see you later all right later